just like a wish. It's like a real established, real hope, right? Uh, uh, and then we look at peace, and peace is this like shalom, you know, shalom peace. It's, it's, it's more than just I feel okay with things going on in the world right now. It's much more than that. It's, it's like a wholeness, a, a completion in a sense of us and where we're, we're, we're good. Like we're at a soul level, like divine peace. Like God can sustain us even in the midst of everything else. Like God has given us everything we need. So we enjoy that peace and we look to, you know, what the coming of the Messiah as uh, what brought that as he is the Prince of Peace, uh, bringing that to us. Uh, and then last week we looked at joy and how joy is more than like a feeling or, you know, elation, happiness of the body, but it's like a reality in our soul, how God is like the source of joy and, and joy is really highlighted even in the midst of struggles and trials, count it all joy, you know, when you fall into various trials. So, um, yeah, so we've looked at hope, peace, joy, and then to, today we're going to be looking at love. Uh, so, love. If you'd stand, we're going to read John 3, verses 13 through 17. We actually got some up here. It's kind of hard to see, but hey, if you don't have your Bible, we got, we're getting really high tech. Um, let's read. No one has ascended to heaven, but he who came down from heaven, that is, the Son of Man who is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Let's pray. Lord, we pray as we get into your word this morning that you would uh, speak to us and we'd be able to hear you, Lord, and that um, we would be uh, overtaken by your love, in awe of your love, and that it would, it would change us and it would be in us, Lord. We would be receivers of it and then givers of it. Lord, you're the source. We know that, God, and we pray that uh, we would be a church that's marked by uh, your love for us and in us. So Lord, we thank you, God. We praise you. We look to you and, and we, uh, we just are so grateful for the season we live in, uh, that we're in right now, just of Christmas and, and, and being able to celebrate together. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. You guys may be seated. As you know, that's a very popular verse in there. Um, the football verse, Right. I've heard people say in their testimonies that they like looked it up to see if it was like something to do with football. Uh, no, do you remember the John three sixteen signs? Um, you don't see them as much now, but you know you'd see them when someone's kicking a field goal. There's a John three sixteen sign in the background. Uh, but uh, we'll get back to that in just a second. Love is something we all need. Most of us know we need it right? Um, there's all kinds of studies been done about kids who don't experience love early in life and a lot of the stuff they have to go, go through and how it really can mark them and, and be real. God can do healing and all that, but love is, it's such a big deal. We know we're hardwired for it, you know? Uh, it shouldn't be surprising that over the past 50 years, the top, like, kind of song or t uh, subject of song uh, on the top 40 billboard charts, they've been love songs, right? Everybody likes you know, 
good love song. Uh, uh, but yeah, it shouldn't be surprising because we're made for that, right? But the thing is with love is we, we have such a weird way of talking about things love. Like I love pizza, you know. I love my mountain bike, you know. Oh, I love that. And sometimes we don't even love it. We just say it, you know. Uh, oh, I love that, that, you know, jacket or something. You're like, I don't know. Maybe you should be more authentic and real with what we say. But then you start hurting feelings, right? There's a balance. Uh, but love, it's like it's this thing that's kind of been distorted and diluted and uh, over time. And so we got to, like, look at what, what kind of a love are we talking about when we're talking about the love of God. Um, and so uh, going back, we'll get, like I said, we'll get back into John 3 in a second here. But it, I, I, I've been loving this, looking at Exodus 34 verses 6 and 7. We have it right here. This is what God said. Well, that's not it. It's the other one. Exodus, the next one. Exodus 34. Um, This is what God said about himself, right? After the golden calf incident, after Moses has interceded for them and pled for them, this is what God says. Hey, I'm I'm reestablishing a covenant with you. I want you to know who I am. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands. Uh, That's like generations. Forgiving iniquity, transgression, and sin, uh, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers and the children, children's children to the third and fourth generation. We covered this a little bit before, but this, this is the, the, the part I was looking at here. The, the Lord, the Lord, uh, a God merciful, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. And then that to the to generations. When God describes himself to Moses, he speaks of himself having this abounding, overwhelming, steadfast love. This is what he has. A steadfast love. The, the uh, Hebrew word for it is chesed. You know, you got to do the Hebrew thing with the, you know, chesed. And it means like loyal covenant character. It's like not, it's not just that God has love. It's that he actually is love. And so it's important to understand that. We kind of touched on it, I said, last week. But understand that he's love. It, it's tied to his identity. It means he can't not have love, right? And so understanding that, like, this is part of his character, that's why Moses came to him and said, remember your love, remember your loyalty, remember all the things you've already set into motion, your promises to Abraham. And he's like, yep, you're right. You're absolutely right. And he can't relent from that, and he can't turn from that. So his love is like, it's everlasting, it's abounding. It it cannot fail. So when he looks to him, he recognizes that. It's been proven again and again and again. And now, where we pick up again in John chapter 3, is it's staring a Jewish leader right in the face. Love has become flesh and is now dwelling among them. Right? And so who's the guy that Jesus is talking to in John 3? Does anybody know? Nicodemus, right? Nicodemus shows up, and uh, Nicodemus is a really interesting character in the Bible. Uh, he's genuine. He's real. Uh, he's one of the only like Jewish leaders you could see at the time who gets it. And he doesn't fully get it, but we, we have reason to believe he did fully get it eventually. Um, 
if you watch The Chosen, Nicodemus, they do a really good job with Nicodemus. Um, a really good job with him on that. Uh, but he, that's who Jesus is, is talking to. And so he's relating with him, and he's reminding him of this, and he says, no one has ascended to heaven, but he who came down from heaven, that is, the Son of Man who is in heaven. I'm trying to tell you who I am. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so the so the must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. What is the serpent thing? Numbers 21, right? They're fresh off this, this victory against the Canaanites. God has delivered them against the Canaanites. And what are they doing? The thing that they're so, so good at. What? Sinning, right? In what, what matter? Grumbling and complaining. They're just like, ugh, we're sick of this bread. You mean the bread that's raining from heaven every day, you know? I don't know, I, I, I can, there's certain things, you know, I can eat pretty often. I love, like, biscuits. I think I probably belong in the South, you know? I heard, I, I heard a joke once, they were talking about, like, biscuits and how biscuits and gravy are basically cement. You can mix them together, and that's why everybody talks slower. Um, if you're from the South, I'm sorry. Uh, but I do love them. I think they're so good. You know, I'm into it. Um, but, like, I, I can understand, oh, man, it gets kind of longer. And so they're like, they're like, get us out of here. Bring us back to Egypt. They're done with Moses. They're done with God. They're grumbling and they're complaining. And so what does God do? He says, okay, all right. Unleashes these fiery serpents. They're getting what uh, the nature of what they want. Oh, you want a world without God? Here you go. Here's your idea. So what happens? They freak out, and of course they repent, and they come back to Moses, and they're like, tell God we're sorry. <laughs> you know, we're, we shouldn't have done this. Because ah, people are dying, literally getting bit, and they're dying. And so what does God tell Moses? He says, uh, all right, take a bronze, make a bronze serpent, put it on a stick, and hold it up. Anyone who gets bit by the serpent, they, can, uh, they look to the, the bronze serpent and they'll be saved. And you're like, what a weird story, right? Like, what a weird way of doing things. I actually, I love how God always does really weird things, you know. It's, it's kind of cool. It's, it actually also helps us. We do not need to make sense of anything because it just doesn't, you know. So I'm talking about, like, if you're trying to follow how Jesus healed people, you'll be spitting in dirt and making mud and putting on people's eyes. And that doesn't work. I mean, I'm sure it's happened a bunch of times where people have done it. There's been a lot of saliva in people's eyes over the years, I'm sure, because people are trying to fall. It's like you can't. But what's so crazy about it is thousands of years later, we're able to look back and Jesus says, hey, hey, you want to know the fulfillment of that death? Death. Sin brings death, and death is consuming all of you. So the serpent's coming and it's consuming them and it's consuming them and it's consuming them. This is, this is what happened right at the garden. And the serpent's reign is going and going. And then what happens? There's, there becomes a different kind of serpent that's raised up and through a different kind of serpent, through a different kind of, I guess, a, a different picture, death on display is ultimately defeated. So Jesus is saying... Just like that's been lifted up, I'm going to be lifted up. And we know he's going to be lifted on the cross, but ultimately exalted in his ascension that he's going back with the Father and he's over all things. You're like, well, this is in John 3, 16. You know, this is the context, kind of wild. So he says, even so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. 
So the, the bronze serpent would be allowing them to have life now. Um, and so it was like, a, in a sense, a picture. Like it was, I don't think, I wouldn't think of ever using the serpent as a picture in and of itself of Jesus, but I, I would think of it as death. Death there, death on display up here, death defeated. So it's not just life, the same kind of life we have now, but it's like life eternal. You know, the serpent can save you for a minute or for whatever, however many more years. But like the, the bronze serpent, it's eternal life, right? So um, he says, that's, 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 so that you should have, for, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Verse 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Um, this verse is obviously, like we said, the most popular verse in all of the scriptures. And with that, is, it's scary. Because the more we hear something, the less we hear it sometimes. Don't lose John 3.16. The reason it's so popular is because it's so good. But remember what is being said here. For God so loved the world. Because God loved the world so much, because of his character and his loyalty and his, and his provision, like he so loved the world, he set the whole thing up that he gave his only begotten son. He sacrificed his son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Jesus, here in the flesh. Nicodemus, I'm looking at you. And to be clear, because I, I, I always think it's, it's a bummer when we don't include verse 17, because I think it's, it's just so good, too. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Jesus did not come to condemn the world. He came that the world would be saved. And I would say that as Christians, this is our mission. With, with like, this is our, not our mission, we're not saving it. But like, this is our, our, our anthem. This is the gospel message we preach. We don't give, we're not bringing condemnation into the world. There will be condemnation for sin. And, and actually, that's in that Exodus 34, right? I mean, there's like, God is, he's not mocked. You know, you reap what you sow, he understands sin and he understands and, and, and he's going to judge it. He does not like sin. He does not like evil. He is, he is very against it. And it's not just God love, you know, hates sin but loves the sinner. No, he actually like doesn't like the sinner either in sin. Like he, he sees that very, but he loves who's in, inside of that, right? God, he has grace for us and, and he wants to redeem us though. He really does want to redeem us. He wants to restore us, make us more like him. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that, through, uh, but that the world through him might be saved. He wants us to experience that and us to preach that. I think sometimes we can get off as Christians. Uh, it's like fun to tell people who's condemned and who's not, you know, oh, oh they're just that or oh, they're just that. No, like you were that. I was that. I am that. If I'm not, if I'm outside of Christ. But it's through him I've been saved. And that's what he wants the whole world to experience. So it's really important, not just what we say, but how we say it. 
right? We want that, the gospel message to be flowing from this excitement and joy and peace and hope that, that comes from knowing Jesus. And as we experience that, it, it, it's, it, it changes the way we, other people experience us. Jesus did not come to condemn. There will be a time of judgment, like we said. But Jesus didn't come to condemn. He came so that the world could be saved. And so over and over again, the, the language and the posture of, of the, New Testament, the New Testament believer is what? Like, that we're like, that we're light in darkness. We speak truth and light and love in the midst of chaos and darkness and deceit. So we're not just pointing out that there's darkness. That's obvious, right? Look, there's darkness. It's like, yeah, literally everywhere. You are the light. That's it, you know? Like God is using us believers as like the, the lights that illuminate. So what is the light? No, we get to share this good news of the gospel. God did not send his son to condemn the world, but by, through him that the world will be saved. As many as will make that decision. So it's a big thing, right? A big call. Uh, it's love on display. This, is, this, is, this was in him from the beginning. It's like he's making things right. Of course, it's at a high cost, sending his son to die. So we had John 3.16. How about 1 John 3.16, which is also a great verse. It's good to rem easy to remember that one, right? It says, by this we know love, because he laid down his life for us. We also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. This is our definition of love. So when we think about Christmas, we think about the coming of the Messiah, we are overtaken by what this meant. Again, this was God's plan from the beginning, and it's by his love. John 3.16 tells us it's because he loves us, right? Again, you need some more verses. I mean, I got like a million of them. If I want, I was trying to like narrow it down. But there's still a lot. And we're going to have some long ones. Because the Bible's really good. There you go. Yeah, what did you get from the message today? Uh, Chris, the Bible's really good. Yeah, that's good. That's, a, that's the best thing you could take home. It's the good book. Ephesians 2, verses 4 through 7. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you've been saved and raised us up together and made us sit in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. We were made alive in Christ while we were sinners. Like, he, he sent his son to, to be... To, Rescue us from that, that position of sinning. Sinners, messed up. No standing at all before him, right? And so he came in and he says, I, you don't have to be perfect to come to me. You just got to come to me. You got to repent and say, hey, take your life. and I'm, I'm going to give it to you, lordship. I believe you. I trust you. And as we do that, we experience this like newness, right? We were dead in our trespasses and sins. He made us alive together in Christ. And this is a good thing to remember, not just at salvation, like, not just like a, um, you know, a message when you, you get saved, you know, we hear that message. And, um, I've shared multiple times before. I think I got saved like 20 times because I said every sinner's prayer because I wasn't sure if I really meant it the last time. 
So like when I was 18, 19, every time. He raised, and all of a sudden they're like, you don't have to keep raising your hand. And you're like, well, I'm just not sure. So from now on, I just won't raise my hand. I'll just say it, you know, because I don't want to get, be getting any judgment. Oh, gosh, does that mean I'm off? You know, all that stuff, right? Did it really count if I didn't do it at a harvest crusade, you know? But it's experiencing that, not just that, but like now. We, we, it's so weird how fast we can get messed up in our own minds and think, oh yeah, of course, it was by grace. It was all him who did it. Uh, but now I've got to keep it together. And so what happens? We inevitably blow it. Right? I think, I think um, so funny, the Christmas season is like a recipe for blowing it. Right? I mean, for some, it's because there's so much pressure. Yeah? You got to go here. You got to go there. And expectations. Traditions. You get on everyone's nerves. They get on your nerves. You're way amped up on sugar. You know? So you're, you're not sleeping enough. And you're just like, you've been eating nothing but like cookies for a month straight. Since Thanksgiving, it's just nonstop. You know? And so this stuff comes out in us, and, and so it's like, ah, oh, we're, we're, we're dealing with the flesh that still is. And we're reminded, first, God didn't come to condemn us. Second, it's him that's working in us. And he's, he's, he's refining us. And it's, but it's not something that we can even sustain on our own. None of it is of us. It's of him. And, and it's because of his loyal love that can't be shaken, that won't go away, that we're, we are what we are. And so if you're like, I blew it this last week and I need a good month until I feel right again with God. That is a wrong view of Jesus. That is a wrong view of the cross. He says, I want you to to understand today, right now, recognize the grace that is available to you in the cross. And, And with that comes our hearts to repent. And with repentance is our minds. We change. We see things differently, right? And and because of his goodness, we get that and we want to follow him. But if we keep staying in this relationship where it's, it's, of course, we wouldn't be legalistic, but we are legalistic in the way we deal with sin. Like, oh, I blew it. We laugh, we go, oh, who would do, you know, penance? Who would do all these steps? But we're, we do it to ourselves, you know? I've got to, all right, I'll read three chapters. All right, I'll pray for this long. All right, I'll show God how really sorry I am. It's like, you you can't do anything. You just come to him and you say, I blew it. I messed up. Right? We talked about that a couple weeks ago. Judah, it was his response. Right? That was the end. It was his response. I was listening to a podcast. They were talking about um, Ravi Zacharias. Such a bummer. I mean, I mean, just heartbreaking, you know. Um, and they're talking about when leaders fall, like big leaders that we love and we know and we, you know, or we don't know, but we, you know, whatever. It's just we love the ministries and, and God uses them in, in so many ways, but ah, they get messed up. And, and one of the distinctions that they were talking about on the podcast, it was like a Biola podcast, and they were talking about one of the distinctions uh, with the guys in the Bible, the Old Testament guys, was, again, their repentance. David's repentance. When he realized, I'm that man. He repented. Judah repented. He got it. 
and repented. Samson, oh gosh, you want to talk about being blind and being like uh, not understanding what's really going on around you? I mean, come on, man, right? It's so easy for us to say that, but then we, we find ourselves, oh, whoa, there's ropes tied around me. That's the thing I told you would work. And you bust it out. Oh, that's funny. And then he eventually says, hey, if you cut my hair, it's like, Samson, you're reading it like, dude, you've got to know. But you're blind. You can't see. Of course, what's Samson's end? It was like, God, if you give me strength one more time, I'll honor you with this. You know? And so there, you even see in Samson repentance, a position of repentance. That's it. You turn to God. Obviously, some of it's like, hey, reaping what you sow. But God wants us to know that, like, the, the best isn't the sex, like, right when you accept Christ. And I think sometimes uh, that's where we go. It's like, I wish I could just go back to when I just accepted Christ. That was, like, the best moment ever. And there is, like, a whole emotional thing to all that. Because I remember that. Like, man, when God was really working and changing life. But, like, what Ephesians is telling us is that in the ages to come, he wants to show us his exceeding riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ. That like what happened uh, at the nativity, wherever it actually happened, you know, how exactly it happened, in Bethlehem, was it set up not just like our salvation, but like our whole relationship with God. That he wants to show us again and again his exceeding riches of grace. And that in that, he's perfecting and working in us. It's organic and it's essential. Love changes us and our nature to be more like him. And it's like in that Christ-likeness, we're able to live out his love. So the best is yet to come, if you know Jesus. Obviously, we know heaven, you know, new heaven, new earth, all that you know, place, the place where there's no pain, sorrow, sin, death, any of that. We look forward to that. But if you're in Christ, he wants to see you experience more of this every day. And it's by understanding the love of God that's fully on display for us through Jesus and then letting that love transform us from the inside out so that as it's God, is, it's who he is, it becomes who we are too. If it, have you noticed this? When you're trying to be loving, I'm just trying to be loving. It's just, you can only go so far, right? You get tired. It's kind of like when you're trying to be nice or trying, my biggest one is trying to hold your tongue. At certain times where Tori knows I'm like in a spot where it's like going to be a hard one for me. Because sometimes I just have a hard time not saying something. The Bible says something about that. I'll read it later. Uh, I'm just kidding. Uh, but like there's, and I'm just sitting there and I'm like, I'm just going to sit there and I'm not going to say, and she's like, I'm so proud of you. <laughs> you said you held your tongue. Okay, yeah, you know, that's whatever. That's, that's sometimes all it takes, I guess. But it's that, it's the change from the inside. I can't, you can only hold on to that so long, right? But when, it's the love becomes part of our identity as, as Christ is like living in us. The spirit, the living God is living in us and working through us. And, and, and that, you know, that changes everything. So the love actually becomes part of us. It's not something we do. It becomes who we are, right? As we're being made more into his image. Let me be clear. We'll never be done this side of eternity. 
but we will grow into it. That's the thing. We, he wants us to experience more and more and more of it. Here we go. John 1, starting, uh, John 1, verse, or chapter 4, starting at verse 7. This is, a, this is a little more here, but this, I love, man, this is so good. Love, 1 John is such a good book. It's the first book I taught here when I started, when, um, started leading Calvary Carlsbad. I love this book. Um, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love, uh, who does not love, does not know God, for God is love. In this, the love of God is manifested toward us, that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. He's the originator. He's the source. Right? He didn't, remember, God didn't send his son to condemn the world, but to save it. And so if we know God, we, we have to experience his love and really know his love. And this is where things get really messed up. Is we have had nothing but tainted views of love our whole life. People you trust the most leave you. Or burn you. It's like, is there anything more painful than someone just burning you and backstabbing you? Is it, I mean, really? I mean, it's, it is so hard, right? This is such a, it's like a burden. I, there's, there's been a couple of those times where like, because you're just like, what did I do? What could I have done? And, and they like, you, they kind of come back, you know? But the love of God, it's like, it's, it's, it's different. And we must experience it to be able to give it. And, and remember, we did not originate loving God. He loved us. He's doing it. He's exposing us to it. We could not come up with it on our own. We don't get it. We have to feel it, experience it, uh, let it overtake us so that we can give it out. Verse 12, continuing on. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love has been perfected in us. By this, we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testify the Father has sent the Son as Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus, the Son of God, abides in him and he in God. And we know and have known and believe the love that God has for us. God is love and he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. There is a real change and exchange that happens. And you, you notice at the beginning there in verse 12, uh, that the world's, no one's seen God at any time, but if we love one another, God abides in us. So how will the world know us? By our love. So as we experience it, it transforms us and it gives the world something to see. You know, it, it, it's so dramatic and so cool. It's a real exchange that happens though. We're, we're, as we're abiding in him and we're experiencing it, the spirit of the living God living inside of us and, and we're confessing and we believe what Jesus did on the cross. Verse 17, love has been perfected among us in this. I love this part. That we may have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is, so we are in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment, 
But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. Perfect love casts out fear. It's easy to be scared. It's easy to have fears in the world. But when we know, when we, this is why our source, we cannot be, let our whole world move, be moved by what we see on the news. We cannot let that be the thing that drives us, right? And if it is, it's time to take a break, right? And, and to pour into something that's way bigger than that, you know? I'm not saying we shouldn't be involved because we, I think we have a God-given and, and God, you know, we need to be involved in the world around us. And anything that we can uh, infiltrate with light is, is a good thing, you know? But if, if you find that the things that you're main, uh, exercising and they're giving, you know, that you're giving your attention to are bringing forth fear, it's time to take a step back and remember what Jesus said, right? Remember the, and remember what, what John said and reminds us of. Perfect love casts out fear. We're, we're missing out the fact that, that God overcame the world. Sin and death, all that. When Jesus talked about like the stuff that was coming, even when they were in the middle of, of gnarly, gnarly persecution that was going to come, he's like, don't worry about it. Spirit will tell you what you need to know when you need to know it. You know? Don't worry, I'm with you. You know? In this world, you'll have troubles, but I've overcome the world. So don't, don't stress about that. doesn't mean that there's no pain. doesn't mean there's no sorrow. doesn't mean things aren't going to be hard. But perfect love casts out fear. I think a lot of the problem we have is, is because we miss out on understanding what love really is. We don't relate to the world very well. We're loving out of fear. How does that work? Say if you're in a relationship, like say you're married, and you're constantly scared, you're going to love really in a really weird way really guarded, very calculated. Ugh, don't, I hope you don't hurt me with this. That's not a good relationship, right? Or if you're with your kids, same thing. Look at them. Friends, whatever. If you're constantly guarded about what's going to happen and you're free, that's, that's not gonna, it's not going to manifest itself as the same kind of love that we see uh, that's transformative and that speaks of the goodness of God. And so we're reminded again, what is the love of God? It's that he sent his son. That's what was happening, uh, you know, again in Bethlehem so many years ago. Are we, are we freaking out? We need to come to a place of perfect. When he says perfect love, you're like, well, that, that's it. That's why I can't. I can't get to perfect love. Perfect love, again, means mature, complete, right? It's like matured love casts out fear. And it's not just love for love's sake. It is of God. That means you're experiencing it, so it means you know who you are. Remember, love is part of the identity. So when we understand our identity in Christ, we will understand what we're made of and who we really are. I'll never forget when I understood that, even in high school. All of a sudden, I just realized I'm not playing anyone's games anymore. I know who I am, and I'm fully good with that. And all of a sudden, anything anyone could try to pull on you or manipulate you or whatever is like, it didn't matter. I don't care. I don't need to be like you. I don't want to be like you. Like, I'm just me. That's okay, you know? And so it was, obviously, that was even before Christ. But I started to realize, you know, I'm not going to play these games and, and be part of this whatever where insecure people are trying to make you feel inse more insecure than they are. 
And that's the way we so often operate. But God wants us to experience the fullness of his love and understand our identity in him by seeing what he's already done for us. Do you want value? Do you want to know that every person in this room is value? Imago Dei. You are made in the image of God and he loved you enough to send his son to die for you. You have value. Your identity is secure in Christ. It's a, it's, and it's way better than you think. You're way better than you think in him. And he can change and use you in such a cool and radical way. And he wants to. And that would be the fulfillment of that. The world needs to see a church that is, that is operating in perfect love and that is so quick to cast out fear because we know who we are and whose we are. John 13, 34, a new commandment I give to you. This is straight from Jesus. That you love one another as I have loved you. That you also love one another. By this all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. This is our battleground, right? As God has so richly blessed us this Christmas season, you know, we, we, we look at that as God has, has given us his son and born in just such a humble position, right? Not just the nativity thing. It's a baby. Like, if you ever think about how embarrassing would it be to be a baby again, you know? People have to, you know, it's like change you and stuff, like, you know? And it's like, you have to learn how to walk and you have to like, you know, whatever, everything. It's like, okay, you look crabby. Go to bed, you know, or whatever. Jesus came as a baby, right? He does, that's how he came. The Son of God came as a baby. You know, we would think he'd come out just like this, just beast, you know? Just, just, you know, world's strongest man, you know? And so, like, he's throwing tables and stuff like that, you know? Yeah, we get that. That's our Jesus. No, he came as a baby to, to some very poor teenagers, Born in a barn uh, on a road trip. Yikes, right? But it's by that we see this love, the love that God had for us, right? And, and, and it's by that, that we, would, we now ex- experience and then we give to those around us that we can love one another. This is our mission. This is our battleground. Look to Jesus, how we lived and, and consider even what the name Christian means. Because we see the life of Jesus and we go, that's great, I can't do that. Christian means Christ follower, right? <laughs> so like we're to follow Christ, not on your own merit. You can't just do it all on your own. What do we do? We discipline ourselves. We put ourselves in the position to be filled by him. We can't fill ourselves up. We put ourselves in that position though. And we say, I want to follow you and be like you. I want to look like you. I want my life to like reflect the goodness of God, the love of God. And I would be able to be humble and, and, and allow God to, to use this vessel for his honor, for his glory, right? Christ follows. We can make an impact on the world we're living in. It, it, and it comes uh, through hope, right? We're able to give the world hope because of the fact that we know our eternity is secure. Our hope in him is secure. Uh, that there is no fear in love right? We are able to live in peace because we're complete. We know who we are. 
I think that's one of the biggest issues right now in the world we're living in is identity issues. And that's why I think there's such a dramatic stretch for people to try and grab onto any sort of thing to be their identity. Who am I? How do I define myself? What am I supposed to be? We find ourselves, our, our peace in Christ. We're complete in him. We're, we're at the soul peace because we already know who we are. It's founded in him. Um, that means we're fully loved, fully valued, and that he has a plan for us. We're his workmanship. We're his poem. And then we experience joy, right? And as we experience that joy because of the fact that we, are, we like, have this love in us and it comes out to the whole world. And it's not just a happy thing, but it's something that's it's because sin and death have already been conquered. There's that song, love came down and rescued me. Love came down and set me free, you know? So that changes our outlook and the way we see the world. And through it all, love. We love one another. We enjoy the love of God. It all starts there, honestly. It has to start there. But it also can't end there. It needs to naturally work its way out um, of our lives to be able to let that love that transformed us go out to the world to transform others, to point to the Messiah, to give a reason for the hope we have, and that is in Christ Jesus. So we're going to have like kind of like the uh, wrapping it all up together. Christmas Eve will be a shorter message. We'll have a little more worship, but um, reflecting on, on the season, right? Hope, peace, joy, love. Man, what a thorough and amazing work God did through the sending his son to, to be the Messiah, to, to take on all the sin of the world and to make us new in him. It's just uh, a lot to reflect on and to be super thankful for. So as we have our expectation, our expectation is in Christ, not just now, but what he's going to continue to do in and through us and what eventually he's going to do um, where everything will be made right in all eternity, right? All right. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for uh, your love, your loyal love, God, that is um, far beyond um, anything we could like imagine or fathom. Like you're so good in the sense of like, you're just, it's who you are. And so we can be so, so, so secure in that. that what you did um, in sending your son is a, is a direct reflection of the way you view us. So God, I even just want to pray for each person here. And uh, Lord, help us to see um, our identity in you right. Lord, help us to understand what it means to abide in your love correctly, that we wouldn't be... Um, we wouldn't be still stuck in a weird legalistic loop. That we would be, be overwhelmed, overjoyed, um, just so excited about who you say we are. And we would experience that life in you.
Lord, and that, that we would be able to, in that, be able to like share that with others. Lord, we, we know that the world needs this uh, and we need it. We need to ex- live in that, that newness of life that we'll be able to experience the exceeding riches of your grace. Lord, that we'll be able to experience um, life in every facet as you redeem and restore and make all things new in us. So God, we thank you. Uh, You're so good to us. You're so gracious and merciful, Lord. And we just thank you again at at this time of the year where we go into, we can still go into restaurants and grocery stores and we'll hear the name of Jesus. I pray that it would be manifest and, 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 uh, uh, I guess, amplified to the world. That, That there would be people who were, living in unrest and in fear and that they would come in contact with the, the real thing. They would come in contact with you, Lord, the, the, and experience the perfect love that casts out fear, that has peace that is just like rock solid, that it is joy that's not dependent on, you know, situations, that our, hopes would, our hope would be secure in you because of your great love for us. So we thank you, God, and we praise you. And we lift, I lift up each person here, Lord. Help us. In Jesus' name, amen.